Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. In this podcast, I am delighted to be joined by Carl Richards, who is truly one of the disruptors in the financial services industry. Carl challenges how financial advisors think about delivering their services and how advisors go about conducting their day-to-day business. He also challenges individuals and pushes them to view their personal finances in a different way. Carl is an author, writer, and speaker. He is the creator of the Sketch Guy column, which has been appearing weekly in the New York Times since 2010. Carl is a frequent keynote speaker at financial planning conferences, And I'm encouraging everyone just to take five minutes and check his website out at behaviorgap.com. With that, on with the show. Hi, Carl. It's great to have you with us today for the Market in Motion podcast. Great to be here. Really excited to chat. Well, in the uh, the intro, we tell our listeners that you're an author, you're a writer, you're a speaker, and that's just all in your spare time. You're, uh, you're 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 a financial planner, you're a certified financial planner. And uh, I, I spent quite a bit of time on your website and uh, know that you have a lot of insights for the financial services industry and really the, the daily life of a financial advisor. So we're going to jump right in. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, so, Carl, I, you know, from, uh, from checking out your website and what have you, part of your magic is you're a really fantastic storyteller. Uh, I have to tell you, I checked out several videos and uh, uh, just from the, uh, the writings you put together, uh, you really have an ability to connect with people by putting that fresh and fun spin on real life encounters you've had. What I'd like to start this uh, this podcast off was talking to our listeners today about the the art of storytelling and why it's so powerful in making that connection with people. Yeah, I. Um, it's really interesting. Um, so first of all, thank you. Um, yeah, it's something that I noticed. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe a decade or so ago, I noticed how much um, how much different conversations were. In fact, if if we go back just a little bit, and I'll tell you a brief story. We uh, and I'm sure most of your listeners will have been through this experience. But imagine if you were uh, most of them won't have to imagine, but I'm sure they've been through this experience where you're sitting. I found myself sitting at a conference room table with uh, some clients, and these were. These were good friends of mine as well. And I knew all about their hopes and dreams and, you know, what kept them up at night. And they were trying to make a really important financial decision. And I was convinced that they had to understand a specific concept in order to make that decision. And I should add, like most of our clients, they were smart, successful, intelligent people. So the fact that I was just getting blank stares back from them as I tried to explain a concept. And if if I recall correctly, it was something around risk probably. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. The fact that I was getting blank stares back was not their fault, right? Successful, intelligent people. It was, it was my fault. And 
I remember just thinking like, gosh, there's got to be a better way to get these concepts across. And, and that was really a moment like that, almost out of like a, an act of desperation to, to help clients understand really help, you know, humans understand really important concepts. That's where this idea of both storytelling and specifically like using visuals came from is I think just talking to people about risk is completely different experience than maybe walking them through a story that helps them understand it. So I think storytelling's incredibly important in the work that anybody who gives advice for a living does because humans have always understood and remembered maybe that's more important and remembered concepts through storytelling yeah it's interesting to me the uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to retell a story the the one that i heard that i i really found very humorous and laughed out loud a couple of times the one about uh when you were early on and uh in the industry and you went for that job in security yeah yeah, I mean, I, I and it's it's funny because that's that I think that's a good example of um, I, I, I mean I've told that story hundreds of times all over the world. In fact, I'm going back to South Africa next two weeks from now to give another series of talks, and the person who's having me over said, "Please don't tell that story again." Oh. You've heard it too many times the first time. But but yeah, I, I mean, I got into this industry, um, and I think this is the reason this story resonates with so many advisors is because. You know, it may not be quite as dramatic or quite as funny or quite as silly, but most of us got into this industry by accident. Uh, I mean, a lot of us did, right? Like you, you, you thought you were going to be a, an accountant and you ended up here. Um, but I, I went to apply. This was when we, my wife and I were just newly married. And um, I came home one day from school and she had out the, the newspaper sort of the big fold out version of the newspaper with the help wanted ads and she was she had a she had a degree and she was employed so this was you know sort of unique behavior looking at help wanted ads because she already had a job so i just said what are you doing and she said looking for a job and i said well you already have one and she said i know i'm looking for you um right and so we I said, well, what have you found? And, and we, she found what we both thought was a security guard job. Like we knew it had something to do with security and, you know, oh, I thought mall cop or bouncer or something. <laughs> um, right. I went, I went to apply for it. I remember it was in August um, of 95 and um, no, it was, it was in June, June, July, July, late July, early August of 95. And, um, you know, got halfway through the interview for the security guard job and realized I was in the wrong place because right? they weren't asking me about Kung Fu or, or self-defense. And um, they were asking me about things that I had heard of, but honestly couldn't have told you what they were. And that was uh, stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And, you know, come to find out it was a securities. The ad said securities, not security. And I, I didn't know the difference at the time. So anyway, I, found, I made my way through the interview, which tells you a bit about the applicant pool that day and ended up with the job. And that that's quite like, that's how I got into this industry was by applying to be a security guard. Now I've stayed because not because of the math and spreadsheets, like that's a, that's a, that's a given it's necessary, but it wasn't sufficient for me. Um, I've stayed because of the behavioral aspect, this understanding human behavior and the stories we tell ourselves.
fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, listening to that story and then uh, then the uh, the part two of it where you went out and you actually heard people and you, you really kind of got your first exposure as to what people were talking about, what they wanted to hear from a financial advisor. It wasn't the spreadsheets. It wasn't the numbers. It was more of a, a connection and what they they wanted that more of a relationship. They wanted to talk to people. Yeah, and of course, the tricky part about this is nobody says that. Like, they, nobody walks into a financial advisor's office and says, you know, like, I want to talk to you or help help me clarify my goals. Like, like nobody said that. They come in, you know, we all know they come in with like an acute problem, right? Like, like it's like an emergency room, right? Like, you 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 come in with an acute problem we need fixed right now. I got this pool of money. Uh, my in, investments have done terrible, you know, I sold a business, like I, I need life insurance, you know, uh, something like that. And, and, but the trick of a, and I call it a righteous trick because it's in service of the person, not in service of the, of the advisor. Uh, so it's not a bait and switch. It's a righteous trick. I mean, the righteous trick of course, is we have to meet them with empathy where they are like to take investments for an example, right? Like I worked at a big brokerage firm that had a bull as its symbol and is owned by a bank, right? Like when people came into that brokerage firm, they were expecting to talk about investment performance and, you know, talking about investment and performance is ridiculous. It's, it, it doesn't, you know, like investment performance is not a financial goal. And so, but that's what they were expecting. So we've got to be good at greeting them with empathy where they are and then helping them understand what we really need to do is, is understand why, like, why are you doing this? What are your goals? What, where are you trying to get to? And, and even the word goals, we've got to be careful with, but um, where are you, you know, why are you trying to do this? And, and, and then what happens, I think what people point to when they're looking for a financial advisor, they say things like spreadsheets and calculators, performance, you know, financial plan, numbers, when they're looking for one, when they have a really good one, I think you hear a different story. They say, oh, Carl just understands me. Mm, interesting. Right? He knows my family, he knows my goals. He, when I get a little nervous, he, he helps calm me down. But they don't say that beforehand because they don't even know what real financial advice looks and feels like until they experience it. Fascinating. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, as I was reading a couple of the articles on your site, you talked about, uh, how many interactions it takes with a financial advisor before someone feels comfortable talking about money. It's and, and uh, I think it was the article you had, uh, the notes on scary markets was where you were talking about, uh, uh, they, the, the, it's not so much that the people, are scared of the market volatility. They want someone to talk to. They want someone to understand them. They want somebody to listen to them. Yeah, I, I get. I mean, I think as an industry, we do just such a terrible job at this. Where I, and and when I use the word industry, I'm speaking really broadly, like the financial pornography network and the, the whole entertainment industry that's been built up and all the crazy salespeople here and there. That, unfortunately like real financial advisors and hardcore financial planners like we're all lumped into that same industry and as an industry we do a terrible job of like like when people get scared when the markets go a little crazy and people get scared we we tend to try to make them feel kind of dumb for feeling scared like 
oh, look at the long term. And if you miss the best 10 days, you're like all those things that we all use. And, and those facts and figures, those have a place. But not before the hug is the way I like to think. Of it. Like, if you, if somebody's making an irrational decision, which I think we would agree, blowing out of a well-designed portfolio. If you've got a portfolio designed specifically to help you meet your goals, and the market goes down and you're scared and you sell, that's irrational. But when you're making an irrational decision, the last thing you want is someone to reason with you. Like you, you, you don't want someone to try and throw facts and figures at you. You want someone to say, you know what, Mike, when I read the news, I get scared as well. Right. So let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. And then you want them to carefully, gently pull you back to why you're doing this in the first place and, and, and remind you of your goal. You want somebody to remind you what you said when you were thinking rationally. But you can't do that. If you've ever tried to tell somebody to stop smoking, that, that, if you've ever tried to tell somebody that smoking is bad for them while they've got a lit cigarette in their mouth, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> Boy, ain't that the truth? Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's I, I really latched onto what you said there. It's, you know, give them a hug first. Tell them it's going to be. Uh, it's you know, I understand you. I, 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 I get where you're coming from. It's uh, and you know, it's it's uh. Uh, you know, you argue with someone who, or you bring facts and figures in front of someone who's being irrational, they're not going to give you a rational answer. They're going to say, because I want to sell because I, I, I'll know I'll feel better when I do that. Right. Or just get me out. I don't care what you're telling me. Like if you don't believe, right? Like if nobody, if, if somebody hasn't had an experience with that, just go back and think through like your last conversation with the, a 16 or 17 year old, you know, well, I'm going to say boy, but I think it's girl too, but particularly my experience with my, my, my son, you know, like he's a smart, intelligent kid, but he's 17. There are moments where they just don't think rationally. And, and in those moments when he's not thinking rationally, it doesn't really do me good to go into like dad lecture number 72. <laughs> it, what he really wants me to do is just go, oh man, you know, that sounds really fun. Let's talk about why that sounds fun. And and then, you know, I don't need to tell them this right away, but the righteous trick is going to be after we explore all the reasons why driving that car through a river would be fun, we're going to understand the consequences that may come as a result when it costs you $3,000 to replace a hydro locked engine. Uh. Right. So, so I think we as advisors, we just need to remember that like people, and, and to be honest, if you want to know what's going to keep you in business as an advisor, you know, you, you, you know, with all sort of the fear of being replaced, um, it's empathy, it's trust and empathy and a human connection. That's what's going to keep on top of, of course, on top of being a, 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 a technical pro, you've got to know how to use spreadsheets and calculators, but on top of that, you've got to be able to empathize and, and somebody has to be able to trust you. Exactly. All right. Let's, let's switch gears. Let's, uh, let's jump over. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, advisor productivity. Uh, you talk about that quite a bit on your website. And uh, I think that's, it's, a. Uh, uh, a, a part of what I think advisors are looking for all the time. One of the things you went into is you talked about how advisors can reach hundreds and thousands of people, 
uh, at the same time. It takes doesn't take that much time a week. It gets some useful information to every every person, and it's it really is just simple emailing with attachments. Uh, give us give us an idea of what what your approach to email marketing is and how you think advisors can use it better. Yeah, I, look, I, uh, this is just I'll I'll, I'll tell you, but the the. the the, the problem, of course, is no one listening will do what I'm about to say because it's going to sound so boring and so simple because I've been saying this for 10 years and everywhere I go, people say the same thing. And then um, and they say, but yeah, I want to like it's it, it, so I, I'm going to just give you a warning. It's going to sound so boring and so simple. And I'm going to sort of beg you of all the people in the world that should understand small, simple, boring things done repeatedly over time have a massive impact down the road. So we actually do a workshop, a live workshop called Scaling Influence. And, and the thing we talk about is the, the compounding impact of influence. And so this is just like the compound interest chart. And everybody points to the flat line at the beginning, right? Like if you double a penny, I mean, this is obviously ridiculous because nobody can get a hundred percent return every day, but if you double a penny every day for 31 days, you know, at the end of 31 days, you have $10.7 million. Right. 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 But the, but the first, you know, like it, one penny to two pennies to four pennies to eight pennies to 16, like it takes 10 days or something to get over a dollar. And I think what everybody, when I talk about email marketing, everybody points to those first 10 days and they're like, oh, it's so boring. But the only way to get to the 10.7 million, like metaphorically, is to go through the boring part. And I'm at a point where it's exciting. And I can tell you from the exciting end of the curve, it's really amazing. Like, but, but would you please start today so you can get here in 10 years? And then everybody runs around looking for SEO marketing, you know, like what, rather than do the boring, simple stuff, why don't we pay somebody who has some promise of snake oil sales and promises you results without any work and then repeat that five times over the next 10 years and find yourself back where you started. Okay, so with that terrible preamble, here's what I would suggest you do. Start an email newsletter. Like this is not rocket science and all the cool kids that were telling you to go use Twitter and go use LinkedIn and go use Facebook are all coming back to email now, right? Because it's the one piece of real estate that you own, you know, talk to a band who built their entire platform on MySpace If you want to know the danger of that, yeah, <laughs> MySpace, yeah, you, none of you remember it because it's gone. And with all the problems with Facebook, all the problems going on in social media, I think you want to own your platform, right? So here's the simple process. If you, you, you start an email newsletter, go, first of all, open that desk drawer. I know you've got it cause I've been in your office. Just reach over right now and open the desk drawer and there's going to be a stack of business cards in there. And those business cards are all the people you've, you've had some exchange you've exchanged. I, I like to think of it as, uh, as permission. You've exchanged permission to communicate with one another. That's the most valuable asset you have is that permission to communicate. And, and there's all sorts of reasons why, which we don't need to go into here, but, but your version of, of if that's a really valuable asset, it's sitting in a, a desk drawer, right? 
So grab all those business cards, put them into, send them all an email and simply say, Hey, I'm starting a, a, every week. I get asked questions. This is my favorite way to say it. Every week I get asked questions by really smart, thoughtful people about how to be better with their money. Like if, if I were listening to this right now, I would write this down and just use it. Every week I get asked questions by smart, intelligent people about how to be better with their money, how to make better or smarter decisions with their money. And I'm going to start writing some of those down and sending them out each week in a, in a, in a weekly newsletter. If you'd like to receive that, just hit reply and let me know. Or if you want to get really technical, you just hit, like, click the button below to subscribe. Got it. Take all the business yep. cards, send all those people. Did you have a question? No, I think that's uh, that, that, that's very reminiscent in the, you, the, uh, the tools that FMG Suite has on its platform. Very simple to put an email together, very simple to upload a list, very simple to just get in the rhythm of sending out. It's, uh, uh, I'd like how you're taking this. Yeah, and then, and then great. So we have this, we have permission, we, we, we invite our family, our friends, you know, everybody in your contacts, you send them that same note, inviting them to join your list. They give you permission. And then the question just becomes, what do you put in the emails, right? And, and, and to me, the most important part of this email is that it's, it's, it's you. Like they, that people, when people make a decision to hire a financial advisor, they want to be able to, I, I think of it as stalk you, right? Like they want to window shop a bit. They want to get a sense of what you think. And that's the purpose of the email is two, two things. Two things have to happen simultaneously for somebody to hire you. Number one, they have to know that they have a problem, right? And the, and then number two, they have to believe that you have the answer or believe that you have the solution. It doesn't do any good for one of those to be happening independent of the other, right? If they know they have a problem, but they don't know about you, that doesn't help you. If they know that you have a solution, but they don't believe they have that problem, that doesn't help you. Now, in order for that to happen, it's just a, I think it's just a function of them going through life. I don't, I don't love the, I don't like the business, the marketing model of running around telling people they have problems. I don't think that's like marketing based on fear is not my favorite way to do things. I think it's just a numbers game. Like you've got to be adding valuable repeated valuable information to somebody's life that's sort of relevant and personal over time so that when that comes up and they're like oh man i just got a huge bonus or or we just sold a business or i just you know i just inherited some money the first thing they think of is like oh you know what that's that that guy or that girl that's been sending me that email every week I really like the way they think about this stuff. Why don't I get in touch with them? Right. That's, that's just one example of what we're trying to create here. And so to me, I think the content that goes into it, like this is what happens with most advisors. If they get this far, they think they get to about here and they go, Oh, like a light bulb goes off in their head, a really scary light bulb, which is, Oh my gosh, I got to create content. And I'm just going to beg you to believe me that like you already have that content. It's in your head. It's the stories you've been telling. It's the way you explain risk. It's that thing you draw on a piece of paper. When you tell somebody about asset allocation, those stories are really valuable. You've forgotten that they're valuable because you've been telling them for five years or 10 years or 20 years or six months. You think because 
it's second nature at this point to you that everybody understands it. And so that's, to me, that's what goes in the newsletter. You know, that's um, uh, at FMG, we even make it a step easier. We have the, we have a library of content that you can send out on the weeks that you're not inspired. And, uh, uh, or if you have something that you've submitted to compliance and it's not back yet, you can always augment it with other material because it's, it's true. I've, I've heard a number of advisors talk about the fact that um, uh, an, an individual is going to have, it's not going to be one event. It's going to be, they're going to find out that they need investment help and they don't know if they're on track for retirement planning and they haven't updated their will and, and all of those things are festering. And then there's that one moment that they decide I've got to see somebody. And if you're positioned right, it, it plays to your advantage. And it's that constant contact. Yeah, I think I think the really important thing is that we're constantly looking to add value to people's lives, right? To make this relevant information that helps them make better decisions, right? Like if we're just sending out more noise and it's really the line between signal and noise is really hard to determine. But if we're just putting more noise into the world, nobody needs that. What they need is clarity. And one way to think of that would be signal, right? Like they need, they need, they need clarity. And, um, I think that's, that's, that's obviously the challenge when I, when we teach this workshop, people say like, I don't want any more email. Like I don't, I don't and, and and that points at the challenge. The challenge is, you know, I normally sort of take people through a line of questioning. Oh, like you, I don't open email. Oh, you don't open an email. Well, no, I only open the emails I want to read. Like, okay, exactly. So now we're there. Like you've got to make, if you're going to do this, you have to make the content worth reading. And if the content's worth reading, I will open your email. I will wait. In fact, a good question to ask yourself, Seth Godin taught me this question is, will people miss you if you're gone right if your email shows up on a thursday morning at 10 o'clock and i do that every year every day every week for a couple of years and i miss a thursday will people miss it when i'm gone and that's that's i realize that's pressure but that's just called doing good work and so i think that's that's the important part about this yeah awesome um I want to I want to jump over. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about your illustrations that you've been doing for uh, since 2010 with the New York Times. Uh, I, I I look at them and I I, I see the I call them the cocktail napkin illustrations. They're 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 simple, uh, drawn with a sharpie uh, on a on a cocktail napkin. Um, and if uh, anybody who's listening to this uh, as your as your uh, type into your browser behaviorgap.com and hop over to the store and you'll get a real good feel for what Carl and I are talking about. But these are simple illustrations that are, uh, they tell an enormous financial concept. Um, so I, I wanted to say, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you, they, they definitely take the less is more approach. But as advisors look at those, how, what's the best approach for them? How would they go about, uh, looking at them and using them with clients. Yeah. So I think there's, um, you know, we, I, you know, you, you, you pointed people to the store, which is just the best place to see them all. You can also go to the New York times and see 
you know, the last 10 years of them. Um, if you just type Carl Richards, New York Times sketch, sketch guy is the name of the column. But, sketch guy, right. But obviously at, yeah, obviously at the store, you can buy the digital, the rights to the digital, one of his images, to the digital, uh, you know, to that high res digital file. And with the rights, you can use it for anything you want. But that's that I want to, the only reason I bring that up is not to get you to go buy them. I don't, I, I, that, 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 that's not my point at all. My point is, um, you should be drawing these, right? Like, like I, 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 I did not invent the idea of drawing a few things on a, on a, on a napkin to explain something, right? So please go do this. The more advisors do this, the more people will understand. So if you go to the behavior gap store and you poke around and you see some ideas that, that spark something, okay, go draw it. Now, chances are many of you have, I run across advisors. There's probably, there's probably a lot of you that don't, but many of you do, you've, you've naturally been doing this. You draw a box and another box and an arrow going to it to, to show the idea of distribution when it's time to start taking money out of your retirement accounts. It will go from your retirement account here at the wherever and, and it will go to your bank. And, and so, um, I think people learn, and I can't remember what the stat was, but it was, it was astonishingly high. How many people learn visually and what's interesting in the same research and it's been years since I've read this, so I'm not even going to try to put percentages on this, but it was when they asked two questions, one was how, how many people learn primarily through visuals and the number was astonishingly high like learn better when there are visuals present understand the concept better when there are visual and i think we can all understand like that would be almost everybody and then the next question was how many people teach using visuals and the number was astonishingly low and so i just think see that as a huge opportunity to add value and so i would just think through like and, and, and I'll tell you, I've gotten really comfortable with this now because I've been doing these for, you know, over 10 years and, but initially, and still, still actually every week, still, I get like, what, really? <laughs> I'm going to send this to the New York times. It's a Sharpie. How they're like, this is so basic, but the simpler we make them, the, the bigger the response. And so I purposely, like, I'm not like in love with Sharpies, I'm not sponsored by Sharpie. It's that I, I didn't know how to use Adobe Illustrator. Right? <laughs> so, but then I started realizing like, okay, now it's a, I'm a big fan of force forcing functions or, or, um, or embracing constraints. And in this case, it's now like, if I can't explain it, with a black and white Sharpie. And the reason the Sharpie is important is because it's a blunt instrument, right? Like you take a piece of cardstock and, and use a Sharpie, you can't put a lot on there. It's not like a number two, you know, pencil or something. Um, so it's a blunt instrument. You can only get broad strokes across. So I would just start thinking like, is there any, cause again, that story that I told at the beginning where I'm sitting with a client, they've got blank stares on their faces what I remember doing was totally out of an act of desperation. I was like, no, like this. And I jumped up and I drew something for the first time, really in a client meeting, I drew a couple squares and some arrows on a board and the clients were like, oh, oh, I get it now. 
And so I, 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 I guess what I'm just trying to do is encourage you to use them. Like one of my favorites. And, and if you can't come up with your own, use mine. Right. But, but one of my favorites is called, I think we call it current reality. Um, it's just where in the bottom, if you took out a piece of paper right now and just did this exercise with me, right? Like grab a piece of, of paper in the bottom left-hand corner, right? Current reality. You know, that that's like another way to say that would be, if I was explaining to a client, I would say, okay, this is where you are today. Right. And, and sort of my first job really is to get really clear about this. Like, where are you today? And, I, and you can just put X in the bottom left-hand corner. Right. if you want to label it, you could label it, you know, current reality you can label it net worth balance sheet whatever you want to label i like current reality but you can just put x and then you can say look in our work together the next thing we're going to do is we're going to we're going to guess where you want to go now i use that language purposefully and we don't have time to go into it here but i like to soften the word whenever you use the word goal i like i think you need to soften it People get really nervous when they hear the word goal, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to see a financial advisor. They're going to ask me what my utility bills are going to be 17 years from now. Right? So just, <laughs> I think you just, just I, I mean, I've heard people tell me that. Like I get emails, people tell oh, me. Oh, goal. I want a goal. I'm still trying to figure out what I want as my goal. Oh yeah. You can yeah, I don't even know where I'm going to be six weeks from now. Why are you asking me where I'm going to be 25 years from now? So, so you just say, next thing we're going to do is sort of guess where you want to go. And you draw a Y up in the upper right hand, you know, the upper right hand corner. And you could also write it and you could say, you know, if it's okay with you, Mr. Mr. Clyde, we're just going to call those goals, but relax, right? They're just, we're just going to sort of guess where you want to go. So now you've softened it. You can write goal, current reality goal. And you say, and the work we're going to do together is going to represent at some point, I'm going to produce a financial plan. And that's another word. You should just literally be trained. As soon as you use the word goal or plan, there's always a comma with a, another sentence. And plan is, you know, then I'm going to develop a plan for you. Oh, oh, relax though. That's that's how I do it. Relax. Um, you know, I'm going to try. I, I don't mean a 200 page document that you can use as a doorstop. I'm going to, I'll, I'll try and get it down to one page for you and we'll call it an executive summary, but we're going to produce a plan and that plan will represent, and I draw a straight line from goal to, from, from current reality to, to goal, right? A straight line across that paper. So if you do that now on your piece of paper, you draw that line and you can say, but here's the thing, Mr. And Mrs. Client, the second we finish that plan, we know it's going to be out of date. It's kind of like a, a flight plan. You know, the pilot generates a detailed flight plan, but the moment he takes off, the thing he knows is the detailed flight plan is going to be wrong, right? He just doesn't know how. The wind's going to be a little different. So what life's really going to look like, and you take a squiggly line and you start down at current reality and you make the squiggle really big above the line and really big below the line, and they slowly get closer and closer and closer as they narrow in on the goal. And you can say to the client, like this, yes, the straight line's important. That's the spreadsheet, my calculators and the, you know, all the work we do, it's important. But what's important about this is that planning is a process, not an event. And you see this line here where it gets really high above, you circle that. Where it gets really low below, you circle that. And you say, I'm gonna be here to help you make course corrections. 
So that's an answer to how do you use them? Like that's one that you can use. And I, I can tell you, we have story after story after story of advisors saying they've gone through that and clients have gone, oh, okay, I get it. Like I now understand we have a relationship, not, a, not an event. You don't sell a product to us, you help us with our lives. That, so that's one example of, of how to use visuals to help you do your job better. That's that's you know as I saw those I thought boy you you wouldn't need if you were an advisor you could take uh, a half dozen of those and put on a thirty minute presentation in front of a crowd uh, they it they really kind of evolved the way you talked about it I I I think about the one the current reality and just think about the dialogue I would wrap around something like that um, Carl we're running up about forty minutes here so I wanted to we're getting uh, close to signing off. You know, the, one of the articles that uh, I read, you were talking about how saving and investing is complicated, asset allocation, diversification, retirement vehicles. It's, it's, it's a complicated subject. It's a con complicated environment. And, you know, you really painted a great uh, avenue about how financial advisors can help simplify that for people with by being in steady contact through email, controlling their own list by drawing illustrations that that show the personal side of you and, and it's it's a process it's not a one-time event did i miss anything or did uh, anything else you'd like to add before we sign off yeah I, I think let me just one quick test that i really love um to think about with a presentation or a book or an email or or, or a meeting this is one test we use a lot all the time actually is you only get one point in fact we internally we call it the zinger <laughs> um you only get one point to make you nobody's going to remember more than that i think we, we we make our websites try to do too much we make our emails do too much we make our presentations do too much really you only get one Point. And, and the, 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 the lesson that I, or the test that we, we use internally is if somebody, let's just pretend like this is, you're, you're going to give a presentation, but this can be applied to anything. You're going to give a presentation. If somebody was standing at the door, there's 500 people there. And when they left, they get asked one question. The question is, what do you remember from Carl's presentation? And, and, and they only, you only get one, you only get to let, what would you hope they would write down? And you only get one, you don't get two, three or four or five. You only get one, you only get one. In fact, maybe we could share this word publicly. Maybe it'll take on a little is zinger. You only get one zinger. And, and so that's a, that's a good little um, exercise to go through as you send out email, you prepare a presentation. You meet with clients like what's the one thing you hope they'll remember from your meeting and then go through and literally we do this every single piece of content that we put into the world every new york times column every book every is remove all the distractions anything that has the potential to distract them from that one point get rid of it and i think that's a really useful exercise it's really hard mike like I'm sorry for sending you the long letter. I didn't have time for a shorter one. <laughs> is really is really true. We work really uh, hard to yeah. send people less because we figure out they can only remember 
we only get one shot and it's even worse these days with Twitter, et cetera. So you only get one shot. What's your zinger going to be? What's the one thing you hope they would remember? That's a good exercise for people to, to lead with. Ah, perfect. That's a great way to end it. Carl, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this has truly been a, a great broadcast. I know the advisors will get a, a great deal from it. And, uh, Thank you from FMG, and uh, again, to visit Carl's website, it's uh, behaviorgap.com. Uh, check it out. A lot of interesting blog articles, a lot of interesting illustrations. Uh, it's a wealth of information for a financial advisor. Carl, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Market Emotion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.